0: Hello, all you bookworms, and welcome to Oh, for the Love of Books, a show that gives you a bit of narration from the books I read, or ones you suggest for me to read on my show. I'm your host, Jessica Vickery, and thank you for joining me on this journey. This is the continuation of uh, Lost Soul by Adam Wright. So let's recap what we know. Alec is a preternatural investigator. He was moved from his office in Chicago, Illinois, to Deermont, Maine. He works for the Society of Shadows, who has sent him to a place that seems like there is no supernatural occurrences. He was given an assistant felicity from the head office in London to spy on him, courtesy of his father. They have their first job to investigate and see if it meets their criteria meaning preternatural in nature or a case of the moody teenager. They've been attacked by ogres who were sent from someone or someones in the society to kill him. The tattoos on the ogres are from the Society for Protection. And they go and interview Leon Smith about the weekend with James. Leon has a lot to say about it and how weird it was and that he believes James and Sarah found something in the woods and brought it back with them. But they're guarding it with their lives. Leon finds out that Alec and Felicity are preternatural investigators and offers to help them with computer work as Leon's line of work is coding. Chapter 6 We drove in silence for a while. The only sound was the constant rumble of the engine and the woman's voice from the GPS, directing us to Amelia Robinson's house. Felicity had programmed in the new destination and then sat back, watching the tall trees roll past the window. I assumed she was lost in her own thoughts in the case. I tried to focus on the case myself, but my thoughts kept returning to one burning question. Who was trying to kill me? I know there were some members of the inner circle who wanted me to be thrown out of the Society of Shadows after the events in Paris. But would any of them go as far as hiring preternatural assassins? It seemed like overkill. Alec, Felicity said, what happened in Paris? Maybe she'd been thinking about the attempted assassination too. I guess that made sense. She could have been killed. I'll tell you later, I said. Later today? Yeah, sure. I was planning on having a barbecue later in my yard. Why don't you join me and I'll tell you everything? I guess you have the right to know since you got dragged into the attempt on my life. She nodded. Sounds good. I'll bring the beer. Deal. You know my address? Of course. Yeah, of course she did. My father would make sure she was able to keep an eye on me outside of work hours. The society had probably set her up in a house close to mine, maybe even on the same street. So where do you live? I asked her, trying to sound casual. Felicity grinned. I'm your next-door neighbor, Alec. Of course you are, I said. Well, at least you won't have far to come for the barbecue. I wasn't sure what I thought of having my assistant living next door. I'd like to keep some distance between my personal life and my work life. When I went home from work, at whatever time that might be, I wanted to relax, chill out, and try to forget about work. With Felicity living so close, that might not be possible. Don't worry, Felicity said as if reading my mind. I keep myself to myself, and I don't talk shop outside of office hours. Cool, I said noncommittally. The GPS guided us off the highway and along a road that led us to another wall and gate. Unlike Leon Smith's gate, this one was made of wrought iron fashioned into a decorative curved pattern, and beyond it, I could see the driveway leading up to the Robinson house. There was no locking mechanism on the gate, so I opened it and drove up to the house. Where Leon Smith's house had been modern, the Robinsons' place looked like it might have been built in the 19th century and had sections added at later dates. It was traditional in design and seemed to sprawl across the landscape. The grounds around the house were heavily wooded, apart from the front lawn that reached down to the area where a large pond sat beneath a willow tree. I parked the Land Rover near the house and got out. The air held a sharp tang of pine from the woods. The front door opened, and Amelia Robinson came out to greet us. She was still wearing the elegant clothes she had worn in the office earlier, but now she had added a pair of sunglasses to her ensemble. Thank you for coming, she said. James hasn't emerged from his room. Would you like to go up and knock on his door? Before we do that, I said, can you show me where he goes at night? Of course, she pointed to this section of the woods around the side of the house. That's where he disappears into the trees. I have no idea where he goes after that. We'll go check that out first, I said. Does James's bedroom window overlook the part of the woods? Amelia glanced towards the house and nodded. Yes, it does. I opened up the back of the Land Rover. If you could just go about your business as usual, Amelia, that would be great. I'm pretty sure James will be coming out of his room shortly. All right, she said, sounding a little confused. I'll go back inside. That would be great, I repeated. She went in through the front door and closed it. I reached into the back of the Land Rover and pulled aside the heavy canvas blanket that covered my equipment. The tools of my trade lay neatly in the trunk. Since I never knew what I was going to be up against, I had everything in here from shovels to dig up coffins, to Ouija boards to contact lost spirits, to pieces of white chalk for drawing emergency wards and sigils. There was a vampire hunter's kit from Victorian London, plastic bags of salt, and a number of herbal concoctions in various glass jars. There were also a couple of daggers and leather sheaths, a crowbar, and a shotgun. The shotgun shells had silver shot mixed in with normal steel. I took a dagger and fixed it to my belt just in case. At least Felicity would be satisfied that I was now armed. I pulled the bottom of my shirt over the sheath dagger hiding it. Then I grabbed a shovel, covered over the rest of the equipment with the canvas, and closed the trunk. Are we digging something? Felicity asked, eyeing the shovel in my hand. That's what we want James to think, I said. Come on, let's go for a walk. We sauntered across the sunny lawn, taking our time to get to the edge of the dark woods. Do you think he saw us? Felicity whispered, looking over at the house. Yeah, I'm certain of it. Whatever he and Sarah found at Dark Rock Lake, they probably hid it somewhere in the woods. That's why James came in here every night. He's visiting it for some reason. Whatever it is, it's important to him, so he's going to be keeping an eye out in case anyone discovers what he's hiding. I made a dramatic, pointing gesture towards the trees and said loudly, It's in there. Even if James wasn't watching the window at that particular moment, hearing my voice should get his attention. Let's go dig it up, Felicity almost shouted. I thought I saw some curtains move at one of the upper-level windows, but I couldn't be sure. If it's in there, we'll find it, I said loud enough to be heard a mile away. I stepped out of the sunlight and into the shadows beneath the trees and immediately felt cooler. The air smelled strongly of pine and earth and rotting wood. I could hear squirrels in the trees somewhere close by and birds singing in high branches above. This place is creepy, Felicity whispered. If we can't hear the birds and squirrels, then it would be creepy, I said. Animals have an innate sense for the supernatural and usually avoid places where there's a strong evil presence. I looked back across the sunlit lawn to the house. No sign of James. Let's go further in, I said. We might discover what it is that James finds so interesting here. After making our way over fallen branches and roots that rose from the earth like thick tentacles, we found a dirt trail leading deeper into the woods. This looks like it's been here a long time, I said inspecting the hard-packed dirt. I wonder where it leads. Only one way to find out, Felicity said. Following the trail was better than wandering aimlessly in the woods and probably getting lost. So we followed the well-trodden path. The trail was only wide enough for one person, so I took lead with Felicity close behind. Keep an eye out for anything strange, I said. Like what? I have no idea. The woods were gloomy and mysterious, even though it was midday. I wondered what this place would be like during the nighttime, probably ten times creepier than it was now. I see something ahead, I said. There was a building there through the trees. I was sure of it. I increased my pace and Felicity did the same to keep up with me. The trail led to a wide clearing. The clearing was ringed with low wrought iron fence that matched the front gate we had driven through earlier. Within the fence, a number of gravestones stood among overgrown grass and brambles. The centerpiece of the graveyard was a tall stone mausoleum. The structure I had seen back on the trail. It was adorned with weeping stone angels, and the name Robinson was engraved above the door. I think we found where James comes at night, I said. Felicity shivered. Now that's creepy. So hopefully we find out about Paris at the barbecue. Why are woods always portrayed as creepy? I love going into the woods. It's so peaceful and calming. Well, except when you stumble across a graveyard and a mausoleum. That is a bit creepy. But because it's on the property of the Robinsons, I would assume that they've lived there for hundreds of years and it's not creepy to them. Well, let's find out next week if the loud-talking Alec and Felicity did on the way into the woods at the Robinsons gets attention from James. Well, that concludes my episode for today. I wanna thank you all for taking the time to listen to me talk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like my podcast, please subscribe to my show or send me an email to at outlook.com. That's J-E-S-S-V-I-C-V-O-I-C-E at outlook.com. With suggestions of books for me to read on the show. Thank you again, and please join me next week on Oh, for the Love of Books. And as always, dream big and keep reading.